Hey there, and welcome back to the Purpose and Profit Podcast. I am your host, Jess Sato, and today we're going to talk about what happens when you get selected to be a TEDx speaker. There is no greater joy for me as a speaker coach and for my clients when they get that email that says, congratulations, you've been accepted to speak at fill-in-the-blank TEDx event. This is also the subject line that starts to put everything into perspective and make this entire thing very, very real. And that's where some of the fear and nerves and holy crap, did I really sign up to do this? Am I really all of that imposter syndrome starts to rear its ugly little head? So what I want to talk about today is what you can expect once you've been selected to speak at a TEDx event. How can you set yourself up for success and make sure that the big idea that you really want to share, that the message that you want to put out into the world comes out in the most impactful way possible. Now, let me start by saying that every single TEDx event is unique. TEDx, as I might have mentioned before, is about independently organized events, which means that each event with an X in its name is run by a local team of volunteers, event organizers, the license holder, the speaker directors and curators, all the volunteers who make these events happen. These are random, everyday people who are literally trying to bring an event to life with very, very few resources. So once you receive that coveted email, just know that your experience will likely be different than say your peer who has also already been a TEDx speaker or is in the process of prepping for their talk. Now, you get the email and typically speaking, there will usually be some kind of kickoff call or gathering to get everybody together, all the speakers, in some cases, the speaker coaches, it could be some of the events team, the curation team, We'll bring everybody together so that you have a chance to introduce yourself, in some cases, share your big idea and why you're doing TEDx. Um, it's also the time where you will start to get a sense for the logistics of the event, when dates, important information like that will all come out. And it's also where they can start to address any questions that you might have. The other thing that often happens early in this process is where you are connected with your assigned speaker coach. Now, fun fact, most TEDx events provide free speaker coaching to their speakers. Again, the people who are doing this are volunteers. So that means the speaker coaching process for a lot of events can take a variety of forms. You can get a wide variety in the level of support. It's also, you know, a wide variety in expertise. But know that you are rarely alone in this process. The team running the event wants you to be incredibly successful. And they usually will go to the ends of the earth to try to help you get what you need in order to make that happen. Additionally, in some of these early stages, it's also where you will start to get the timeline of deliverables. So what I mean by that are things like your initial outline, 
your first draft, your second draft, your final draft. All of these deadlines are meant to help keep you moving forward in this process. There is nothing worse, and I have seen this happen, where a speaker goes MIA and a week or two before the event is scrambling and stressed and is completely unprepared. And in some cases, event organizers, for the sake of the event, will actually remove that person from the speaker panel. So I really want you to think about making sure that you follow those guidelines as they come out. This is also where you'll start to get dates for speaker masterminds or rehearsals. For example, at TEDx Breckenridge, we host a speaker mastermind. It's an opportunity to bring all of the speakers together. We give them a lot of information, but we also give them the opportunity to practice their talk, even in draft form. It's where we really get them to think about how they can be more vulnerable, more open in this process, because that's what it takes in order to be successful on this stage. So you'll get all of that information about the event. You'll often figure out very early on what the stage will look like, and that will come in handy later as you're thinking about what you want to wear and so on and so forth. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't say that sometimes information is lacking. This is especially true for brand new first-time events. It's not that the event organizers aren't doing their best, but as I mentioned, Everyone that is affiliated with a specific TEDx event, these are all volunteers and they're all unpaid. So they are also trying to balance getting this event together, managing all those details with their day job that actually pays for their life. So be patient and ask nicely for what you need. It will go a long, long way. As I said, everybody in this process wants you to be successful. So once all of those details are out of the way, or you're at least aware of the timelines and everything that's coming your way, then we get to the nitty gritty. The big lift of this process is, of course, writing your talk. Everyone at this point will have gone through the application process, which means they have already done a good amount of work to figure out what their big idea is. But I can tell you now that after supporting speakers for almost five years, the idea that you came in with will morph during this process. So in order to get grounded and to get this talk process really underway, I work with my clients to really dig into a couple of different things. We start with, what do you want the audience to know and do as a result of your talk? How is this relevant to the event's theme? Is there anything specific that we need to factor in for the location so that it resonates with the audience? Because again, these are local events to a local audience with a global impact. And then who is the real audience for this talk, right? When we know those quest- the answers to those questions, that's when we can start to reverse engineer what this talk needs to do and the journey that we want to bring the audience on, right? So then it becomes much more relatable and creates the biggest opportunity for impact. From there, we outline the talk, we identify key stories, examples, research, and other data that we feel like we need to include and then draft it into a narrative. Now, this is my process, but this is not the only way. And 
many, many other speaker coaches and people who have gone through this process will figure out their own path. So if you are not a narrative type person, but you think really well with bullets and you can get yourself into a flow to consistently be saying the same thing, bringing the audience on the journey that you want them to do, then that's a process that might work for you. Once we have whatever mechanism we're using to really create the structure and flow of this talk, that's when we begin to refine, refine, refine. And I can't tell you how many drafts most speakers go through. It's insane. The reason for that is the more you dig into this topic, the more you start to reflect, all this stuff starts coming. It's like the floodgates open and wow, I didn't know I even had this memory or I didn't know this existed or this piece of research was available. So the talk is constantly being, being redefined and that is okay. Now, as daunting as it may be, the next part of this process is for you to practice. And for some of us, and I'm saying me included here, I find it very difficult to practice my talks out loud. But I know from experience as a speaker myself and as a speaker coach that it's absolutely essential to delivering a polished talk. So the reason for that is because when we speak out loud, a lot of things happen. As the listener, this is where I am able to give constructive feedback on your message and your delivery. It's where I can say, oh, that doesn't quite make sense, or this is how this came off, and really allow you, again, to fine-tune your talk and the message that you're trying to, to, to give. The other part of this is that it allows you, as the speaker, to start to hear and feel how the words are forming in your mouth. Do they feel awkward? Do you feel like you stumble over the same sentence and the same word combination over and over? If that's the case, it's better to know now and tweak it than be standing on the stage and be stumbling over your words. And it's also where we start to feel the energy and the flow of the talk. There have been many times where I have read a draft, a written draft of one of my speaker's talks. And I thought to myself, this sounds terrible. Like the way this flows, something doesn't fit. But when I hear them deliver it, all of a sudden the energy is different. The vibe feels, you know, more upbeat, more serious. There's a lot that can come into that. So practicing out loud in front of other people is really, really important. I often work with speakers for three or four months at a time, sometimes a little longer, sometimes a little less, depending on the schedule. And half of that time, more often than not, is spent rehearsing, meaning practicing out loud, tweaking, and then rehearsing some more. Now, I mentioned before that most events provide speaker coaching. And as I said, it also varies a lot in terms of quality, quantity, and style. So if you hear nothing else from me in this episode, I want you to hear this. Get the support you need to be and feel successful. I have worked with clients who have had dedicated speaker coaches that were provided to them that have been a terrible fit. Maybe the speaker coach just didn't have the right time, Maybe they just didn't understand or vibe with that particular speaker, right? Coaching is a very personal process, as you likely know. 
and they have had to hire outside support. Some events have no support. So don't go this process alone. It's really important. This is really important. And it's a really big thing that you're doing. It takes immense courage. It takes immense vulnerability to stand on the stage and put your thought leadership into the world. So don't go it alone. This is not a plug for myself, but I will say that a really great speaker coach will help you work through the flow, the message, the stories, and the delivery. So whoever is your speaker coach, make sure you use them to your advantage. That is what they're there for. That is what they want to do for you. They want to be a partner with you in that process. The other thing I'll say here about rehearsing is there are times when it makes sense to rehearse in front of others and with others. This is especially true if you have a topic that's complex. In the last episode, I talked about making sure that you bring people in who can hear your message and can give you really candid feedback. You want to make sure that your explanations are accessible and that people outside your, your field can understand what you're talking about. And if you can't articulate your message in a way that is inclusive in that way, that's where we want to bring in additional people to help ask you questions, to think about it differently, to make sure that everything fits together. The other thing is that almost all of my, my speakers, all my clients practice with the other speakers in their event. And this makes a lot of sense because everyone in a particular event, especially if the organizers have done a good job of bringing the speakers together, it allows you to hear and be vulnerable with one another in a way that is very difficult to do with people who are not going through this process as well. So there's real richness in coming together as a group virtually or in person to practice and to give one another feedback. With that said, be judicious about who you choose to rehearse with and also be clear about what kind of feedback you're looking for. It is not uncommon for people to barrage you with all kinds of feedbacks and what kind, you know, all the what ifs and this and that. And it can be really confusing, especially if you have already sorted through a particular aspect of the talk in your own mind. And then all of a sudden you're getting this feedback like, oh, you should do this. The reality is most people have not been in that process with you. So really be clear about what kind of feedback you're looking for. Are you looking for feedback on your delivery? Are you looking for, you know, how much you're pacing back and forth? Are you saying um too much? Are you doing any weird hand gestures? Are you, you know, playing with your hair? Is the message unclear? Those are very specific things, especially if there's a section within the talk that you're unsure about. You could say, hey, when I get to this particular section, this is what I'm trying to communicate. Does this come through? Or could you pay close attention to this section? I have some questions about it and I want to see what comes out for you, right? So too much, too much feedback can be confusing. It can cause you to really question all those things that you already felt confident about. So run your feedback through the impact filter, right? That's what I'm lovingly calling, you know, your big intention for what you want out of this experience and the impact that you're ultimately trying to make. Make sure that the feedback that you're getting doesn't negatively impact that and also run it by your speaker coach. 
So at TEDx Breckenridge, when we are doing our dry run with our speakers during the speaker mastermind, speakers are giving each other positive praise. And the speaker coaches are working together as a speaker coaching team to identify areas that maybe the speaker coach has missed or that are you know, potential opportunities. This is your opportunity to filter that information in a way that is not going to feel like a fire hose being, you know, thrown your way. So at the end of the day, this is your talk. So we want to make sure that the things that are in that talk are the things that you want to be talking about. As I say often, say what you want to say. Now, once you have gone through the relentless, you know, drafting, rehearsing, refining, tweaking, et cetera, and you feel really good and you've begun the process of really memorizing it and getting it so that it is deeply, deeply inside you, now it's time to focus on the practicalities of delivering a successful TED Talk. I could talk about lots of different things here, so I'm going to keep this relatively high level. I have some podcast ideas for later in the season that will take us deeper on a whole variety of things, particularly around stage presence, around picking the right clothing, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot I could say here, but I want to talk just today about the most common questions that arise, and those tend to fall around attire, day of of logistics, and what to expect. The outfit that you pick for this event will partially depend on what the stage setup looks like including and specifically the background. So if it's all black, for example, you probably don't want to wear all black because then, you know, in the darkness, you look like a floating head. Um, We often find that patterns don't usually work very well, but there are scenarios where it makes sense. So the outfit you pick depends on the stage, depends on a lot of factors. But at the end of the day, what I really want you to do is think about, A, the fact that this video is evergreen. It's going to be out there for a long time. So you want to make sure that you pick an outfit that is comfortable and that you feel confident in, right? We want it to be professional, but allow you to move and feel at ease. That's really, really important because again, this is your big idea. This is your thought leadership, your brand showing up on the stage. Day of logistics, like every event, varies from event to event, but make sure no matter what, that you give yourself plenty of time to get to the venue well before the event starts. So if you are coming from out of town, don't drive up, you know, with just an hour to spare. You want to make sure that you leave plenty of time so that you don't arrive stressed and feeling rushed before you are about to go and do something that's already very stressful. So just plan accordingly. Book yourself a hotel the night before especially if it's, well, I don't even want to say especially, I would just say book yourself a hotel the night before and give yourself a chance to decompress, to become really grounded in your message, in the fact that you're doing this really amazing, super awesome, really hard thing. Um, Once you arrive, I really encourage you to find a quiet or calm space right? We want to get you to a place where you can relax, calm your nerves. In some cases, you might want to run through your talk one last time. More often than not, 
these events have some kind of green room or some kind of backstage space where you can get quiet. And that's really important. So if you're a yogi and you really use yoga as a way to ground yourself, bring your yoga mat, bring your, your light, you know, your Himalayan salt lamp, like whatever it is that you use, essential oils, bring whatever it takes for you to feel grounded. Often, and again, varies from event to event, speaker organizers and event organizers will op- offer up opportunities for you to rehearse on the stage if they can, give you a chance to dry run your message, even in part. Um, if you have the opportunity, I strongly encourage you to practice with the mic, practice using the clicker if you are using slides. Um, we want to make sure that we take advantage of what's offered so that there are no surprises day of, right? We want you to be in the very best head and heart space on the day that you're going to do this. And the more you know, and the more boxes that you can tick in terms of these are question marks in my mind, the better. And then finally, you get to take a deep breath and confidently walk out on that stage, right? You earned the right to be on that red dot. You did the hard work. You're prepared and you have a message worth sharing. So you can go out on that stage and really boldly share your big idea, say what you want to say, knowing that it's going to make a powerful, positive impact. In my new guide, Unleash Your Big Idea, your guide to the TEDx stage, I I put a link to it in the show notes. I dig into each of these areas in more detail. So if you talk to anyone who has gone through this process, they'll tell you that it was hard, but that it was so, so worth it from a business growth perspective, from a business visibility perspective, all of that clarity, richness, vulnerability, inner work, outer work, all of it will come back and make a difference. And so I wanted to make sure that you had the information you need in order to begin this process in earnest. It's a big deal to do this. It's not easy, but it is worth it. So with you know careful planning, support and execution, your journey to the TEDx stage can really be an amazing and incredibly rewarding experience. And I want that for you. So I hope this has given you some perspective, given you some insight into, you know, what happens once you get that amazing congratulations email and has given you some food for thought to think about how would you show up? How do you prepare for a talk like this? Do you practice? What would it look like to open yourself up in a new way and to rehearse in front of other people to get their feedback, to absorb it and process it and all the goodness that comes with that? So leave me a note. Let me know what has resonated for you. I would love to hear. Reach out to me on Instagram or LinkedIn. The links to those profiles are in the show notes. But my hope is that you can embrace your big idea, embrace your role as a thought leader, and boldly and confidently step out onto that stage to say what you really want to say. So I will leave you as I always do. Be bold, be brave, and go make an impact.